um, you'll, you'll hear it described as a belly breath or a diaphragmatic breath. And they will even coach a, a type of breath where the chest doesn't move. And then you're going to see this like pooching out of the, of the abdomen. Technically speaking, technically speaking, that would be a diaphragmatic breath because the diaphragm has to push down to create the, the movement forward of the abdominal contents. But from an effectiveness standpoint, um, you're, you're intentionally constricting the thorax from, from moving, which is what we need to create the pressure differential to allow movement to occur. You can still breathe in that manner. There's no question about that. Um, but as far as it being better, um, I would I would question that to a significant degree. Welcome to Reconsider. I'm Bill Hartman. This is the podcast to challenge you to ask better questions, to look beyond traditional models of thinking and arrive at better health and fitness solutions. We're emphasizing the mechanical element of the breathing here in this one. Yeah, I just want to give people things to they can do and feel and try. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's so many consequences to breathing mm -hmm. from a metabolic standpoint, from a mechanical standpoint, right? The I mean, it, it's a it digestive, right? Every everything is influenced by it. And so that's that's the like the the big point that we need to emphasize is that. It's like okay, breathing influences every aspect from the way that you think, right? It stimulate like ineffective breathing biases your nervous system that you would feel pain more easily. Right? Influence it, it, it again your digestion is affected by it because it, it actually um, influences the motility, right? And so again, it's it's a it's a big monster of a deal. But obviously, we just talked about the movement based mechanics, but we need to look at this thing in a much bigger scope. We could probably do five five different episodes. Well, yeah, well, in we have talked about this before. There's certainly going to be seasons to the podcast, and within every season, we're probably going to revisit we're definitely going to revisit certain topics, breathing being one of them. And then anytime, anytime we're talking about movement in general, we're, we're talking about expansion and compression. And these things are coherent throughout any facet of movement, human movement that we're talking about, or just any movement in general. Like you always, you always need a gradient to, for movement. And so you need to create this, this spectrum of expansion to compression, and you need to have some type of asymmetry to the system. Otherwise that movement can't continue to happen. Right. Uh, but when we talk about the, we're talking about the, the things about breathing that need to be in place for it to be efficient and to, to promote motility and to promote the flow of the digestive system and the nervous system and the pressures in the brain and all of these things uh let's let's talk about that you want to do those things 
Yeah, I mean, we already started. I already started the timer. Like you, <laughs> you let us. You let you us into let the know. second. You episode. need to let me know when these things start, Chris. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, it makes the cold. It makes the cold open better. So that whole that whole thing that you were just talking about, like what we need to talk about, like that will be the beginning of the the next episode about breathing. Uh, I got it. I get it. All right. Yeah. So the other yeah the other things that I think that come to mind before we jump into this would be like. The effect of nasal breathing versus breathing through your mouth, uh, the effect of trying to do a belly breath versus mm-hmm. having your rib cage move. So those are things I want to try to touch on for sure. Well, I mean, nasal breathing has a, a number of, of benefits in regards to the quality of the air that you're actually breathing in, right? So we need some moisture in that. Um, there's also the effect on on the the skull itself as far as the shape goes. So, you know, I'm wearing braces for a reason because the shape of my face was was less than adequate um, in regards to um, my ability to breathe. I had allergies as a child, so I, I so I never had a normally formed face, and so that affected the the alignment of my teeth. It affected my ability to sleep. And, and so there's a lot of influences in, in that regard. It's like it helps to maintain the mobility within your skull because your skull has to move as you breathe, right? So again, that's a that's a big deal in regards to that. The, the amount of muscle activity that you use um, in regards to nasal breathing versus breathing through your mouth. So you think about like, when do you naturally breathe through your mouth? Well, during exertion right? If you breathe in and out through your mouth, you're going to breathe at a faster rate. Um, so here's what happens when you breathe at a faster rate. You blow off too much CO2. The Your bloodstream becomes more alkaline. You stimulate your nervous system. You constrict your blood vessels. Um, you lose the ability to pass oxygen from the blood to your tissues. So there's a, a sequence of events that that is this horrible cascade Um, if you don't breathe effectively. And then again, just simply being able to breathe through your nose becomes a really big deal. Okay. So yeah, that, so breathing through the nose, you're talking about like the, the functions of that, um, filtering air, keeping, keeping things, keeping the ability to stay on the more expansive end of things. Because if you were only, there's a very pressurized breathing strategy that happens through the mouth that you need to to use when you're like throwing something heavy or picking something right. up that's heavy. Um, and that when it comes to the flow and the ability to turn and the ability to stay, uh, to have larger ranges of motion, the right. nasal breathing is going to lend well, itself more to that. It, again, it has literally the rate, the rate at which the air goes in has a lot to do with whether you can move effectively or not. If the air goes in too quickly, I have to use more muscle mass to allow me to breathe in and out, which means that I have to start recruiting muscles that typically wouldn't be considered resting respiratory muscles. And again, then that becomes your norm. So you learn to breathe that way and you will breathe that way more frequently and in doing so, you become more restricted in your movement capability. So now we're back to the mechanical aspect of this. Like literally, that's that's why breathing through your nose becomes so important. So people that don't think that's a, it's a it's a huge deal. Like that's why that's why these you know um, people that have um, 
physical nasal restrictions like deviated septums. That's why it's so important that, that you might need to get that addressed so you can breathe effectively, so you can calm your system, so you can allow yourself to reduce the output from your nervous system on a regular basis, reduce stress, reduce anxiety. Like people that have anxiety, it's like there are mechanical reasons that can result in anxiety. Yeah. And it seems, and it seems almost crazy to think about, but the, so from my, from my perspective of having someone that has like a generalized anxiety disorder, when I don't wear my nose strip, I feel significantly different in terms of my anxiety. And it, the, 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 a lot of like, and it, thinking about it from just the perspective of expansion and compression, if you think about things like a straight jacket or someone that's in like a really cramped room or, or outside, the difference that you feel, like how how much lighter it feels and how getting outside, you kind of feel this sort of breath of relief because you have this space. But if you're stuck in a closet or if you're you're being constricted, that's sort of what's happening in the nasal passages. If we're going to talk about that, just a, a very direct comparison. So you have a nasal passage, you have a skull that sort of isn't getting this expansion that it normally is used to. And that squeezing is is happening in the brain. It's happening in your, your spinal cord and everything that exists that is your nervous system and the representation of the, your nervous system that's going to lead itself to being either anxious or or yeah, feeling but, relaxed. I mean, this, is, this is down to the chemical level. Like there are yeah. consequences associated with this. Again, blow off too much. You blow off too much CO2 right the 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 change there's a there's a difference in your in your bloodstream that biases you towards the flight or fight side of your of your nervous system then there's a compensation where you have to manage your your blood levels of acidity right or alkaline versus acidity so this is like the ph um element of it that that influences how much oxygen you can deliver to your tissue. So, so literally it's going to bias how you produce energy. So people will have higher levels of fatigue because they can't use their oxidative energy system to a significant degree because the, the structural influence or the mechanical influence of breathing is biasing them in one direction, more fatigue. And again, more stress, more anxiety. Um, you're going to, uh, the, the kidneys have to compensate for these changes in blood levels of, of, of the alkaline um, nature of, uh, of the blood. And in doing so, now you excrete things like magnesium, calcium, and then that biases you towards an increased sensitivity of your nervous system. So if you feel pain, you're more likely to feel it. If you do feel it, you're more likely to make it more severe. And, it, and it's like, it's not your fault. That's just a consequence of this mechanical influence of breathing that results in the chemical result. Yeah. And it's, you know, I keep thinking about people that anytime I talk to someone who I want them to try to address how they breathe and their response a lot of times is like, what do you mean? I don't breathe right. It's like, I've been breathing for the last 46 yeah. years. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, but this, your strategy, we've talked about this before. It's your strategy is just inching towards the edge, edge of the cliff. So over time, over time, it may be the way that you've been breathing hasn't been uh, affecting you. But if you've been having some type of issue with your neck or your shoulder for the last 10 years, maybe the strategy is, is starting to fail you. 
Well, it's just it's hard for people to make these connections because again, they they're they're doing this they're doing this um, without enough information, right? Yeah, because they don't see it. They don't see they don't see the they don't see the reasoning. They don't see the value beyond the obvious of all you got to do is breathe in and out. You got to keep breathing to stay alive. And then there's there's their measure measurement, right? They don't understand the mechanical nature. They don't understand the the potential biochemical influences of of these outcomes, right? And and it's difficult. It's it's very difficult because you you don't see. I mean, everybody has sort of like a like a biomechanical frame of reference for almost everything. And then, in unless you've really investigated this, it is very simplistic in nature. You know. Well, yeah, and a lot of the models are wrong as well, so that doesn't help. Well, yes, but all should, should we just say it out loud? Like, yeah, oh, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll invoke <laughs> the spirit of George Box, right? He is we, he is dead, right? Uh, I, I believe I believe he yeah. is. I believe he yeah, is. yes. So yeah, the, I'm, I'm sure he's the amount that the the amount that 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 his quotes get used. I'm sure he's turning in his grave constantly. <laughs> I don't know whether he in, intended it to be as such. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's it's funny to think like if you're able to after death like kind of look at what your influence on the world has been, I doubt that his he would understand his legacy would be this quote. He's gonna, he's gonna go, that's it. That's all I get. That's that's it. That's like yeah, all this get, work, all this work. One stupid one quote. One quote uh, before, for eternity. See if this resonates with you. You want to get back to the gym and get in shape. Maybe get back to playing golf or your favorite sport or get out and go for a run. Maybe you just want to move and feel better. But every time you restart, that old ache or strain rears its ugly head and interrupts your comeback. When I wrote All Gain No Pain for my patients who had completed their physical therapy, we knew what they were ready for. You're in a different space with a different starting point than before. You don't feel like a physical therapy patient, so you're going to need to approach this differently. With some guidance, you'll first need to reconstruct your movement foundation that takes your physical structure into consideration. You're going to have ongoing questions as you think differently, so you're going to need a like-minded, supportive community to support your progression. If you're ready to begin your reconstruction, we have a new group starting soon. Send an email to reconyourself at gmail.com to start your process. Yeah. So before moving on to, I want to talk about what the current models. So a lot of the misinformation that's out there, we'll talk about like the current models of breathing and why they might actually be harmful for people that uh -huh. are trying to change what they yeah. want to change. But I want, I want to go back to the, the chemical component because I want to talk about carbon dioxide and oxygen and that relationship. And people uh -huh. tend to believe that more oxygen is better. And they want to like, they want to like put oxygen masks on and increase the amount of oxygen that they're breathing in. But a lot of breathing and the, the chemical, uh, the chemical interaction in your body that's going to keep you healthy in a lot of senses has to do with your ability to tolerate carbon dioxide and its buildup in your body. Cause you need in order for the blood, uh, the blood, your blood supply to offload oxygen to the tissues that need the oxygen the carbon dioxide level has to be able to build up. Correct. And if you're hyperventilating Correct. and like Bill is saying, you're blowing off all of your CO2. Yeah. That's a really negative uh, scenario. Yeah. So the, so the hemoglobin in your, in your blood is what carries the oxygen to the tissues. So it goes from the lungs to the tissues. Right. But there's a gradient that's involved. And, and, and so a gradient. Go figure. I say what? Go figure. There's a gradient. <laughs> all hail the gradients. It's always a gradient. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason for the oxygen to leave the hemoglobin to go into the tissues. And that reason is an accumulation of the CO2, of the carbon dioxide. So when the carbon dioxide levels go up, that's the signal that, okay, I need to get more oxygen in that area, and then I need to pull the carbon dioxide out. So this is your exhale. So this is you breathing out the carbon, the carbon dioxide, breathing in the oxygen kind of a thing, right? So as long as we have this nice, cool relationship where you have the accumulation of CO2, then the hemoglobin freely gives up the oxygen to the tissues. Everything's all fine and wonderful, okay? However, if for whatever reason you are skewed in one direction or the other in regards to exhalation strategy, inhalation strategy, and your breathing rate increases, what's going to happen is you're going to blow up more CO2. Right, and so in doing so, now we lose the gradient. So what happens is, is the hemoglobin is circulating through your body. It's carrying its molecules of oxygen, and it goes to the area and says, "Oh, low CO2. I don't need to give you any oxygen. I'll just bypass you." Right, and so then we don't get the delivery of oxygen. And then if we don't do that, then again we suffer the consequences of not being able to use an energy system that allows us to relax, that allows us to access good movement because we have all these other compensatory strategies that are going to jump in and maintain blood levels of certain things to uh, keep us within a very specific range. But um, we, because we lose the ability to, to kick off the oxygen, um, we never get to use it. That's the problem. That's, that's, yeah. that's the big, that, like the, that's the, the, the big kahuna of, of, the, of the chemistry side of things. It's like, I have to be able to move CO2 and oxygen back and forth in the bloodstream. So last episode, we talked about focal pressures and mechanical pressure starving an area of oxygenated blood. And this is, this is an, another layer to that. So if I have areas where there is this pressure and there is this loss of the relative motions that's creating this sort of painful sensation, if I decrease the CO2 in the bloodstream as well, I'm also, I'm robbing that area even more of that blood flow, that productive blood flow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's like the, the alkaline nature of the blood increases, increases resting muscle activity, which further constricts the ability to, to deliver blood to that area. It's like, it's like this, this is, this is just like I said, it's a, it's a cascade of events that just results in all of these negative secondary consequences that people would just associate with, you know, the, the only the mechanical nature of of the outcome, the, the biomechanical nature of, oh, I, I need to make a muscle stronger. I need to yank and pull on a muscle to make it longer kind of a thing. It's like, that's not really what we're after here. This is why that we need to include the ability to, to breathe, right? So we can get the mechanical nature resolved, restore the relative motions, reduce the muscle tension, influence the nervous system in a favorable way. So we can actually increase blood flow to that area and then get oxygen there. Like, like those are the, that's the sequence of events that we're actually trying to influence. It's not just, oh, you need to breathe better. Like, like, like leaving it, leaving it hanging there is just not enough to understand. Right. So we need to be able to create, we need to be able to create space in the body for the blood to be able to flow and the fluids to be able to flow into. And then we have to, we have to mechanically create an environment where, um, and from a timing, just from a timing perspective, when you're breathing, if you're just to pay attention to how you breathe in terms of timing, an inhale, an exhale, and a pause, 
that is going to allow for the the proper cascade of effects of moving oxygen in the bloodstream to affected tissues right so that th these are and that's why like just by saying those two things when people are like well why does breathing matter like i breathe all the time it's like well that it actually matters a lot because people want to isolate all of these things as being separate from one another, but breathing is inherently movement. It's how we move. It's expansion and it's compression in its most basic and fundamental and primal state. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you can't exist without it. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a quote from, uh, uh, last name is Goldthwaite. Um, he, he wrote a book on body mechanics in the early 1900s. Right. And and he's basically saying it's like if you don't normalize breathing, you cannot normalize movement. You know, whether you want to use the word normalize, I don't know. But point being is, is there is a direct effect and a cascade of events that, that becomes a huge influence on your outcome. Right. Okay, so let's we we talked about nasal breathing a bit. We were going to get into the mo the current models that exist for breathing and why certain trying to force people into certain strategies for breathing might actually be more harmful than good. Um, but I think in respect to how we talked about in the last episode, how the rib cage is supposed to move, how the pelvis is supposed to move as we breathe, let's talk about why someone discussing breathing from the perspective of breathing into their belly is not going to be useful in, in almost all circumstances. Uh, yeah. So um, you'll, you'll hear it described as a belly breath or a diaphragmatic breath, and they will even coach a, a type of breath where the chest doesn't move. And then you're going to see this like pooching out of the, of the abdomen Technically speaking, technically speaking, that would be a diaphragmatic breath because the diaphragm has to push down to create the, the movement forward of the abdominal contents. But from an effectiveness standpoint, um, you're, you're intentionally constricting the thorax from, from moving, which is what we need to create the pressure differential to allow movement to occur. You can still breathe in that manner. There's no question about that. Um, but as far as it being better, um, I, would, I would question that to a significant degree because the idea is, is we're trying to teach the entire system to be able to expand, um, number one. And what, what we don't wanna do is to intentionally create an aberrant breathing pattern that will result in again, negative secondary consequences. Do so you think about to intentionally restrict an area from moving, think about all the muscle activity you're gonna to have to recruit to do that. Definitely, definitely not where we're trying to go here when we're trying to restore comfortable movement or increase movement options. Yeah, and if, if the goal for movement is to attain this relative motion of different segments over each other, and then my rib cage and my pelvis aren't moving at all as I breathe in and out, that doesn't make any sense based on the principles that we've talked about so far. Correct. So you're 
you're letting you're letting the pressure and volume relationship happen in this area that's your belly that has a lot of give to it so you can get this sort of pooch and compression right. without much movement from the rib cage right. or the pelvis right it's it's in direct it, conflict with the intention yeah and so you're effectively locking both of those segments and what we talked about earlier those segments that need to be able to rotate and move on each other don't anymore so they have to orient in pieces in one big piece in right. order to get any type of movement to happen. And that's when you're going to run into um, the chemical uh, problems and the pressure, the vocal pressure problems that we're talking about right. in those transitionary Absolutely. segments. Yeah. 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 And so I, I want, there's a lot of people that are going to hear what you're saying and be like, well, <laughs> I started doing belly breathing and I feel so much better. Well, think about it from this. As soon as you start paying attention to how you breathe, even if you are trying to make only the belly give way as you're breathing, there's still going to be motion happening in your rib cage and your pelvis. You're still going to be going through a breath cycle that might be more supportive in the chemical way that we were talking about earlier, where you're, you have a focused inhale, you have a focused exhale, and you have a pause, most importantly, that's going to allow that CO2 to build up. So if I just get you to breathe out and pause and be able to hold your breath out for just a, as an exercise... You and you have anxiety, you're going to feel better, and it might be you know within 30 seconds, right? And, yeah. and so that doesn't, but, but better that doesn't necessarily better, mean, yeah, better doesn't mean best, yeah, exactly. It's it's not, it's not just because you feel better doesn't mean that you've made any sort of influence to like your movement goals or any type of issue that you might have had with like, say, your back or your knee or something yeah. like that. I mean, you, you've done something favorable, but but that doesn't make it the ideal under the circumstance, sure, yeah. Yeah, there's there's different levels of better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just paying attention to it first and foremost, probably huge. Probably yeah, huge. big first step, right? Just yeah. observation and awareness of anything. Yeah, but 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 again, it's like don't don't be satisfied with just that. You just got to keep working towards, you know, whatever it may be as your as your ideal outcome. Right. Solution for some people, I'm okay with that. I just want you to understand what the what the limitations you're imposing as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's also like, it can be useful. So in a lot of cases, in order to get an expansion at your belly, you have to, you have to let the muscles of the abdomen relax. And a lot of people have a very hard strategy of using their, their superficial abdominal muscles to try to hold pressure and hold down against gravity and falling forward. So if you're able to take someone that has that strategy and get them to relax that strategy, that can open up some windows of opportunity, but it wasn't necessarily the belly breath that got them there. It was that they finally figured out a way to relax. Yeah. Entirely possible. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's just a matter of understanding what the, what the secondary consequences are. Again, yeah. it's just a, and I, expanding, expanding your frame of reference for what is possible or what is happening. Sure. And I, it's just, an, it's important to recognize just at the, at the base of all of this, like at the end of the day, there, there's no tissue that's used for breathing in your belly. So trying to force pressure and volume there is, doesn't make a lot of sense because all that stuff is in your, in your rib cage and your lungs and your alveoli. Yeah. 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 You, you don't want to learn a, you don't want to learn a strategy that's going to carry over and ultimately produce a limitation. Right. So let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about a couple of activities that you might use 
and ways you might coach someone who is a narrower individual versus a wider individual. So say someone comes to you in the clinic day one, they definitely have they're, they're someone who breathes with their neck muscles. You can see a lot of activity when they breathe with their neck. They're someone that that uh, their shoulders rise when they breathe. They, they don't have they have a very shallow breath too. It's a lot of repetition and it's it's stuck. Like what what would you have someone like that do? How would you have them sort of re relearn how to do these things? One of the one of the simplest things to do is just to put somebody on on their back in a fairly relaxed um position and something as subtle as putting a hand on your chest and a hand on your belly and just becoming aware of how you're moving air <clears throat> in many cases you're going to have to cue somebody to breathe through their nose because they're not used to doing it right and that alone stimulates excuse me <clears throat> that alone um changes things rather dramatically in, in many situations like just that awareness. And then <clears throat> I want to edit that part out. <clears throat> so there's, here's Bill's breathing deficiency. <laughs> no, it's just phlegm. <laughs> um, putting somebody on their back and putting, putting a hand on their chest, hand on their belly, and just making them aware of what should move when they take a breath in, what is moving when they take a breath in. Can they breathe in through their nose? Um, makes some some pretty significant changes, regardless of, of physical structure under this circumstance. Like that 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 level of awareness is 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 unusual for most people. They're 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 unaware of how they are moving moving the air. All they're trying to do is create the the negative pressure inside the body. If I have muscle activity, superficial muscle activity, so like big chest muscles, big back muscles, they're actually squeezing the rib cage under that circumstance, you can reduce that muscle activity through this awareness without any special exercise other than, like I said, just getting the chest and the abdomen to move simultaneously as you breathe in and out. So that would be one of the easiest step ones of all time. And it will influence many people um, versus having to come up with some measure of, an, of a specific exercise. Right. So what Bill is talking about doing is just, I mean, if anyone listening to this wants to even try it, if you were just to get out of, if you had the ability to get out of your chair and just lay on the ground and you want to put your feet flat and keep your knees bent and just kind of sink into the floor and put your hand on your, one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly, and you're just going to breathe easily through your nose. And you want to try to feel that expansion happen in both of those areas. So your chest is going to rise into your hand your belly is going to rise into your hand as you breathe in. And then as you exhale softly, those things are going to fall down and in towards the floor. Mm -hmm. And then once you get as much, you know, a good breath out, you're going to pause. And then when you feel like you need to, you're going to let the air just sort of flow in and out again. Right. I, I would, I would throw on top of that, encourage expansion into the surface that you're laying on. And so this, right. would, this would be representative of expansion in all directions. Because what we don't want to do is have somebody that's, that's sort of lifting themselves away from the, from the surface of the floor, because that would be tying segments together, moving them without the relative motion that we've discussed previously. What we want yeah 
is expansion in all directions. So, so the nice thing about, about laying on the floor, it's fairly firm. You can feel yourself expanding into that surface. Then you use your hands to represent the, <clears throat> the anterior expansion um, that we talk about that is often restricted by the muscle activity. Right. And this, the softer surface can be, mm -hmm. a softer surface can be helpful, a carpet, a bed. Right. Um, and that, like Bill's saying, and what we had mentioned in the last episode, we want that circumference to expand. So you want right. the sides, you want the front to back. Yeah. And you can and even, then, and we use, use the ground for shape change. You can even roll to your side so you can get that front to back yeah. representation better. You can even go face down. Yeah. Um, if you want to try to feel that difference in the pressure changes. Yeah. One of the, one of the mistakes that people make with this though, um, because they're, they're now focused on their breathing, they think a bigger breath and a more forceful breath is the appropriate cue. So right. I, I would encourage you when you, the, when you first start breathing intentionally through your nose, make your inhale silent. Because if, if you hear yourself breathing in, chances are you're using more effort than, than necessary to move the air. So if you make your inhale silent, you're less likely to kick on those neck muscles and shoulder muscles and such, because that, again, that is a rate dependent influence. So this is like breathing in through your mouth. You have to breathe harder and faster when you breathe through your mouth. And so you kick on more muscles and then that becomes interference to movement. So again, quiet inhales, and then a nice even exhale under most circumstances, regardless of your physical structure, a nice even exhale through your mouth um, would be an effective exhalation. So quiet breath in through your nose, long, even exhale through your mouth. Right. Okay, that's that's a good, I think that's a good start for the um, the other influences of breathing. I mean, we just hit another 30 minute segment. Um, so that'll be our second episode. We can definitely have, well, we'll definitely be able to go, we could do an even a third episode, um, that's more specifically on the differences in how you might cue breathing for a narrower versus a wider individual. And then I think it would be good to even just talk about positional breathing activities. We talked about laying on your back and we can uh -huh. talk about side, side yeah, line. We talk about we can inversion talk about and things like that. Inversion, quadruped. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. How that will how that will be different dependent upon the narrow or wide individuals. Correct. So that yeah. if you're still watching, those will be what come are, are the topics that are coming in in pre future episodes. Uh, last last time we asked people what their favorite superhero vehicle was. So I don't know. It's, it's filming these beforehand. We don't know if what anyone's responses were. So do we, do we ask I'm, people I'm, about their superpower, like what they're what like what they would choose? Um, that's always a great question. It's just like I feel like you have to give people guidelines when you ask that question, though, because there's like like what what constitute? Are you talking about they only get, you only get one ability? Like you can fly, or you can see X-ray vision, or can you have the abilities of any superhero? Okay, hang on. I can't remember who this is. He had all the powers of Superman, but he could only use one at a time. Mm. And I there's can't. So remember many. That. There's so many variants of of. There's so many different copies of Superman. There's know, like Hyperion, there's there's Sentry, there's um I seem to Ultraman. recall I seem to recall that this this oh man, who was it? 
It was something. Well, here's, yeah, anyone that knows. Boy. It was something lad or something boy, I believe. I mean, and anyone that knows. Like literally had the all the powers of Superman, but could only use one at a time. Let's see if I can find it really quick here. Google failed me in my initial search, it seems. That's okay. If you know, put a post in the comments. If not, what, what sort of superpower would you want to have? You can only choose one. So I don't want anyone to say like, oh, I want Superman's powers. Yeah. So you can say like super strength or x-ray vision or mind reading and control. Ooh, uh, Dr. X or Professor X? Yeah, yeah. Um, or like, you know, super healing factor. Yeah, that's I think that's more useful than a lot of things, especially if you if whatever you're planning to do with your life would be benefited by longevity. Yeah, if you if you got if you got 500 years to work with versus someone that's got 70, you can get a lot. There's a lot of wealth. There's a lot of wealth that you can accumulate. There's a lot of knowledge that you can accumulate. That is true. Yeah, you have to imagine that if you have a, a high healing factor that your cognitive decline is not really going to even be present at all. So you'll probably be sharp till the end. Yeah, well, Logan aged, though. I don't understand that. Yeah. What do they, how do they explain that, though? I think eventually you just, you can't just keep, he put himself through so much, so much. Uh, well, old man Logan, I mean, how how old is he when he dies? I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, see you. See you later, everybody. We'll we'll talk. We'll talk more about breathing in the future. Reconsider is sponsored by Substance Nutrition. Go to substancenutrition.com. Get your neuro coffee, better coffee, better brain, and synthesis, better protein, better body. Enter the coupon code Recon R E C O N and get free shipping on all of your orders. <laughs>